0: Hello everyone, welcome back to yet another episode of the Barefoot Hustle podcast and in today's episode we'll be talking with Al Jeffrey who is, let's just say, the most wise, creative, explorative human I think I've ever met. He's insane. He's an internationally recognized leadership expert, community designer, group facilitator, author, psychotherapist. As I said so impressive in what he has to offer and having met Al in person and attended a handful of his workshops and retreats, I can safely vouch for how unique he is in creating a container, a space that is both safe enough to go inwards and become curious about the internal architecture of our world, but also in sparking conversation and thought around how we're connected to others and really breaking the illusion of how we are separate to the whole world. He's insane in how poetic and philosophical he speaks. And with his creative career starting at just 12 years old, Al has been listed in Australia's top 30 entrepreneurs under 30 twice in a row and nominated for Young Australian of the Year. As I said, insane. In today's episode, we talk about what is relational intelligence and how it can be the answer to so many of our problems both internal interpersonal and societal his story from being a 12 year old entrepreneur and how he became an international speaker on relational intelligence how adopting a queer mindset can help you continuously evolve yourself and your purpose exclusive of your sexual orientation i love this idea it is so interesting the relationship between authenticity and fulfillment And how to actually use this to feel connected to something bigger than yourself and how this is kind of weaved into your purpose how to navigate staying grounded and aligned even when living in a fast-paced environment like a city and he does this so well and how to integrate your self discovery journey within your relationships to deeper your connection and this is just skimming the surface there is so much more this is for anyone that truly wants to evolve both on a personal level but also play a part in reweaving culture to be one of deeper acceptance and connection like his work is both so on a personal level but so important for society as well I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did and enjoy welcome everyone to the barefoot hustler podcast where hustlers creatives and seekers unite and realize we're all one where the hustle meets the flow I'm your friend and host, Sejin Gunuridis, and my intention is to delinear the labels we always try and squeeze into and give permission for us to live in the spaces between. So whether you're a hustler that could benefit from slowing down and bringing more alignment and purpose to your work, or you're a free spirit that's getting a calling to bring more structure, drive, and creation to your life, I'm super grateful you're taking a wee little chunk of your day to grow with me, both for your future self and the collective at large. Together, let's pioneer a new way of living and redefine what it means to live a rich, connected, and purposeful life in the 21st century. Let's all be barefoot hustlers. So take off your shoes, grab a coffee, and let's jump in. All right. Hello, hello, Mr. Al Jeffrey.
1: Hello, Sage.
0: I'm very excited to be here. Um before we launch in, mm. I would love to check in to see how you're feeling physically, emotionally, mentally. All
1: mm-hmm. the And all the levels and layers. Yes. Yeah. Feeling. Feeling quite alive this morning, quite bubbly. There is an air of sensitivity, tenderness, slowness from the week, which feels really Mm life-giving. I feel, um, yeah, I enjoy being in touch with those threads. And there's an air of the bubbliness as well. So I'm holding, uh, yeah, both a kind of soft, slow sensitivity and a joy. And a joy in being here with you and being... Uh, in the space of recording a podcast again. It's been a while since I've been in the guest chair and also been a while since I've been a host so it's nice to be back. Wow I love
0: Mm. that you've definitely checked in before. (laughs) Your sensitivity to all the things are incredible to hear. For me I would say I'm excited and very curious about what we can Mm. talk about today but also yeah a lot of also, I can feel um, processing from what's happening in the week, a lot of things happening today. So, mm. a lot of a lot of things are happening inside as well, mm-hmm. whether that's in full process or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah.
1: So, we're alive. We're alive. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Human beings.
0: Um, how I would like to start, so people who haven't mm. um, heard of you or anything like that, so they can get an understanding of what you do, in mm-hmm. your own words, how would you describe your form of hustle, how you live in this mm. world, how you work
1: yeah yeah so myself I suppose I wear many different hats Mm -hmm. uh, and can carry many different labels but primarily as a psychotherapist a group facilitator and creatively I suppose a writer a poet Um, and so a lot of my work has me work either in groups um, the the core focus is fostering relational intelligence so social emotional capacity fostering a greater ability to hold their own mind in mind and others' minds in mind, Um, ultimately to, I suppose, regenerate or renew culture to Mm -hmm. a way of being together that's more life-affirming, but really focusing on the personal and the social dimensions of that. And so that means I do a lot of one-on-one work um, with individual minds, and I do a lot of group work um, with the social field and um, fostering, I suppose, interpersonal skills and relational intelligence. So, yeah, psychotherapy, was, in short. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Group work. Yeah. And creatively, I love writing and poetry as well.
0: Yeah. Relationship intelligence. Mm. How did you enter? The, like, one, could you actually, yeah, for people that haven't heard this, mm-hmm. really simplify that as a mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, how did you get into that? That's yeah. That term isn't often heard of.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's relational intelligence, similar to you may have heard of, and your guests may have heard of, Esther Perel. Ooh, yes. She speaks what of it I in very think, similar ways. Yeah. Uh, relational intelligence being fostering greater capacity to be um, in greater levels of, I would say, integrity in relationship. Understanding that we are all always in relationship. We are built of, made through, defined by relationship. Um, and so, and it's in some sense, the demise and the the challenges of our 21st century um could be said to be that we've othered ourselves from relationship. We live in a story of separation rather than a story of relation. Mm -hmm. And that has us face the ecological crises that we're in, the kind of spiritual crises within, Uh, many of the mental health crises within. We've kind of othered ourselves Mm -hmm. from each other in the world, uh, which creates a great sense of grief uh, and loss, um, and also panic in a very biological sense. So relational intelligence is the ability to um yeah to with greater awareness and resilience and uh sensitivity to inhabit relationship again sort of to really sense the ways in which we've stepped out of relationship for many reasons um and to be in greater integrity in relationship
0: wow okay mm-hmm. and how much of relationship intelligence is made up of our the self awareness of who we are. So you know how mm-hmm. we all embark on this self discovery journey, whether it's through travel or through hardship or whatever that is, where we finally mm. s- begin to look inside. Is how does self awareness relate to the concept of relationship relational oh, yeah. <laughs> intelligence? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's fundamental, mm. uh, and this uh, I suppose touches into the paradox of the work in that relationship and self. Are really not separate to each other mm. the notion that you know western psychology and freud and um, much of our western discourse would say that like we create a self an image a personality and then we put it to the world and so we bring our self to relationship and yeah. the self is some other thing that we've woven out of somewhere um but maybe the more accurate uh view is that we create ourselves in relationship to other we create ourself our image our self structure our personality in relationship to our primary caregivers in relationship to our first environment our first world which is family so we create ourselves in relationship and then we put ourselves back into the world wow okay and so the self is it's really important and fundamental to to build this self-awareness in order to be socially aware Mm. And so there's, I suppose, uh, four key dimensions to much of my work. It's first self-awareness, self-regulation and integration, Mm -hmm. um, which means being able to regulate amidst our experience. So to be able to become aware of more of ourselves and hold it Mm -hmm. without repressing, suppressing, Mm -hmm. um, etc., So self-awareness and self-regulation, and there's also social awareness and social regulation. It's very challenging to be in relationship if all I am is caught up in my own reactivity, my own transference, and my own content. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I need to have the self-awareness in some sense to be able to bracket certain parts of my own experience to actually be able to meet another Mm -hmm. and contact the other. Mm -hmm. Um, And then in doing that, we can then regulate and come to some sense of shared relationship. Without that, all we're really doing is operating in our own reactivity.
0: Wow, yeah. that is <laughs> that is deep, and I really f- like you're speaking about things that I feel that I, I feel within, and I might not even mm. have cognized yet. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's that's beautiful. How did you get into this field? Like, you're seeing a lot of self-awareness or finding who you are is. Mm is being aware of how we relate to others. Mm -hmm. Was that something that happened, you know, at a very young age? What was your journey in Mm -hmm. discovering yourself in this field?
1: Yeah. Um, still coming to terms with some aspects of it, Mm -hmm. but for me, I would say, yeah, I often say that I've always been quite contemplative. I have, my temperament is, is quite reflective, Mm. quite melancholic. I have quite a a warmth in being in my own company and a little bit kind of um, Yeah inward and soft that's kind of just my natural temperament mm. and also my queerness has meant that from the age of about 12 I'd experienced a great dissonance what felt so true for me on the inside mm. I'd experienced as from the outside from culture from family at the time others as being wrong as being Um, not okay, and so there was this dissonance. For me, it felt like my only truth. Mm. It felt so true.
0: It's like a lack of belonging, but then you were trying to belong and fit in. Is it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Or just this kind of that somehow the worldview that I was receiving from the outside in that queerness and this other way of being is not okay, it's not right, there's something dirty about it, something Mm. perverse, Mm -hmm. but on the inside, it felt like an absolute truth. Mm -hmm. And so I became curious about how does this happen? That something that's so true for me on the inside can be so wrong for the world around me. Um, and that led to my kind of, um, like I became quite disillusioned, uh, and curious, like, how does that happen? That for me, what feels so true on the inside can feel so wrong for others. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what led to, for me, a kind of existential inquiry. It's like, wow. That is fascinating to me. How Um,
0: how old were you at that time when you, when you realized?
1: Yeah. It wasn't so cognitive, Mm -hmm. but about 13.
0: 13. Yeah. Wow. Did you have any, in that time, did you try to, in quotation marks, change yourself to fit in? Like what was your, how did you meet that at 13? Definitely. Yeah.
1: Wow. I would try and convince myself. I'd try and brainwash myself. Um, I would.
0: To be To be straight. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. I would um, try and make myself mm-hmm. uh, like women and female bodies. Mm-hmm. I would try and, um, yeah, uh, some nights I would just try and incant and repeat to myself. Mm-hmm. Like I became quite uh, a fan of Tony Robbins. Yes. And yeah. incantations and affirmations, and exactly. would listen to, like, at the time it was CDs of his before bed <laughs> oh my God. most nights. Uh, not only around this piece of queerness, but also around, because at the time I was also quite entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. So, um, at 13, yes. Wow. Yeah. Which was a response to me feeling separate from the world, me feeling not okay in the world, not enough, um, mm-hmm. shameful. And so me putting on this, in some sense, my entrepreneurship career started as a, an adaptive mechanism for me feeling very insecure. It was me putting on a kind of front of I've got my shit together. I know what I'm doing. I can be successful in a way that is deemed worthy Mm -hmm. in our Western culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was born of um, a kind of creative as a protective mechanism, but also a creative adaptation of my organism Mm. in the world that I was in, in order to be able to feel okay. I needed to create something that, had me be seen in a certain way, but also hide behind. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And at the time, do you feel like it helped?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It definitely helped me get through um, and still felt so alone behind it. Yes. Because I was hiding behind it. Um, Yeah. And so it's, um, I suppose with many of these things, which maybe we'll touch in on the idea of kind of, hustling and, and really connecting to what is true. Mm. Um, still much of my process is understanding and integrating the gifts that I've gained from having that identity. Mm-hmm. Like I've become very good at certain things for a on- reason. Entrepreneurship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I had to become good at them. Mm-hmm. That was my adaptive response to my world at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, there is a great deal of grief in where that came from. Like there's a deep sadness, a deep aloneness, a deep um, not okayness behind that identity. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I don't check in on that, um, like when I'm not in touch with those places, uh, I suppose in our check-in mentioning kind of this sensitivity, I actively try to be in touch with that because if I'm not, in my experience, I still feel this Air of deep aloneness mm. because I'm stuck in this identity that I've built in order to actually not be seen.
0: Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is actually, I wonder if this is relevant. So a couple of days ago, I was watching a, a podcast video with Brene Brown and she said, mm-hmm. the opposite of belonging is fitting in. Yeah. And for me, it's funny because, like, you know, if you go back a few years, I would have thought that they're somewhat similar because you know mm-hmm. in quotation marks belonging to society is fitting in with what is the norm what is conditioned to be worthy successful whatever you want to call mm. it but it's such a strong value of yours to or it's just such a necessity to stay true to yourself by slowing down checking in like heightening your sensitivity to what is alive in you now and then acting from that place rather than trying to please others trying to fit in
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's a regular practice you you try to do now
1: yeah 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 like first belonging to ourselves and the root of it for me is that and it can be linked to kind of theories of trauma and um which are these adaptive responses of our organism to a world that is overwhelming at times and Mm. so we abandon ourselves Mm. um and we favor acceptance or belonging over authenticity
2: Mm. Because
1: Um,
0: potentially in our past we haven't been accepted for that authentic version of ourselves mm-hmm. in or it felt dangerous yes.
1: uh, it felt like we would um you know earlier on in our lives we depend on the other we depend on relationship we don't know how to self-regulate um babies when they come out of the womb if they do not have an other a mother or whoever, another nervous system to co- co-regulate with they can die um a baby does not have the capacity to self-regulate they require co-regulation mm-hmm. um and we require the other as we were speaking about earlier to actually form a self um a robust and healthy self Mm -hmm. and so our preference or our kind of organismic almost biological orientation is towards the other very Mm -hmm. early on um towards fitting in towards because that's safety yeah yeah and so it's very easy to lose our authenticity um in a world where there are conditions on our worthiness Mm -hmm. like you're worthy if you follow this trajectory etc it's very easy for us to kind of forego our authenticity and to fit in yeah yeah
0: when did you what switch the focus from other to yourself when Mm -hmm. you know 13 entrepreneurship queer dissonance and then tony robbins that whole growth what happened for you to realize what you were doing and actually begin to honor who you are
1: yeah yeah it was a a beautifully transformative um, rites of passage program that I was in when I was nineteen. So there was it was a uh, program called Watson, and it was a Button. Watson Watson um in Boulder, Colorado, um, and it was a startup accelerator. So they chose ten of us from ten different countries around the world to live together in uh, at the base of the Rocky Mountains wow. for nine months in Colorado, and. It was, it was a program to help you grow your idea. So all of us were working on socially oriented projects, businesses and startups. They
0: picked you or you applied for this?
1: Uh, they picked you. Wow, yeah. okay. Um, so it was both focusing on your project. Mm-hmm. So you're given funding, you're given coaching and mentorship, um, and at the same time, it was a very personally and spiritually transformative experience. So it was structured on a rites of passage program where you come you're separated from your known world you're challenged every day sitting in circle um and there's lots of ritual and ceremony involved and it was really to help you get to the core of um of you what is the the calling of your soul um and is your project aligned to that Mm. and if not how do you feel about that and and what are you doing about it um And so there was lots of coming to terms with myself in that and understanding how alone I felt in this entrepreneurial identity itself. Um, and also starting to recognize, yeah, it's a gift of mine. I've become very good at it for a reason and it's not serving me. Um, Mm. like I still feel alone in it. And so there's something else that feels more real, more true, more whole. Um, for me. And that's when my kind of facilitator identity started to form. So beneath and beyond the entrepreneur identity, there was this facilitator identity that actually just really loved people, yearned for people, not just projects. Um, Yeah. So it was that program.
2: Wow.
0: And a big part of that, so you said we're sitting in circle. Mm -hmm. I I know that both of us are involved in women's circles, men's circles. Can you give a... Brief description of what that is for someone that's never heard of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So our process was based on Parker Palmer's process, which is called the circle of trust, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, he frames it as a space safe enough for the soul to speak. And so the premise of the circle is um, firstly a held container Mm -hmm. where there are common agreements and there's a real commitment to honoring the dignity in the other. So not shaming, not blaming really holding them in the highest positive regard. So
0: full acceptance, no judgment. Yeah. Mm.
1: Yep. And truth-telling. So the Greek notion of parhizia, which means to speak truth and frankly. Um, And so as much as you can, speak what's actually happening um, and to experience it and express it rather than explain too much. So not getting too caught up in the story of like, or when this happened, da, 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 da. it's like, okay, so how is that for you now to be speaking of this? What are you noticing in your body? And so, the circle, the rest of everyone in the circle, um, with your permission, can reflect to you like, I really hear that, but I don't feel you when you share that. Oh, wow, like are you able to share what it's like to share that with us in the circle? So,
0: being truly vulnerable, showing emotions if that feels like something you're comfortable to do. So, yep, that's do. so a bunch of people, whether that's just women, or mixed, or men, mm-hmm. or in between. We get together, share what is alive in you in a container that is safe and supportive, mm-hmm. which might be different to the environment you might be living in at home or work. yeah, and yeah. by doing so, in your experience, you found a more true version of you or encountered mm. questions that were potentially confronting to meet. Mm-hmm. and that led to you realizing the a true calling, which might be facilitation or yeah encounter. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it comes almost full circle. Um, speaking about that ourself is created in relationship. So we come to know ourselves in relationship basically. Mm-hmm. And so, um, these circles are a way to relate to each other that reflects ourselves, reflects ourselves as we are and as we can be. Mm-hmm. So it's to say, I really feel you here and I'm wondering, Something else so it's a way to reflect someone back to themselves so they can actually see themselves Mm -hmm. like we are mirrors for -hmm. each other and we can either reflect the kind of the goodness we see in each other um or reflect the kind of the challenge the sorrow the uh maybe they're the wrong words but the badness Mm -hmm. if we just use the polarity so Um,
0: do you feel like whether it's a formal container like a circle or a maybe a household growing up that's a bit more safe and supportive. Do you mm. feel like that is absolutely essential for you to go in and find the truest version of yourself, the most authentic version? Is to be surrounded by that safety?
1: Yeah, I would say so. Mm. Yeah, um, for me, yes, and quite confidently would say that it's quite necessary for all of us mm. to be surrounded by people who can um, protect our dignity mm-hmm. and protect our courage and bear witness to our becoming Mm -hmm. um, because we are created in relationship. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, you know, some people will go off and go on a solo meditation retreat and that's great. Um, And then come come back and enter a relationship and feel like they've regressed 10 years and they've become a 16 year old again. Um, And that's because the change isn't integrated and stabilized in relationship. Um, so you can go out and yeah, create like your sense of, um, pure awareness or, um, whatever it is for you, bliss, uh, by yourself sitting in a forest meditating. But when you come back to relationship, um, the same patterns emerge. Mm. Um, and so in some sense, and this is a gestalt psychology principle that, but, but because the self is created in relationship, the, um, uh, kind of the self-development work also needs to take place in relationship, whether it's with a therapist, whether it's mm. in a circle, whether it's just with a friend and other who can protect and hold you. Um, for it to be integrated in a social world, we need to be able to um, ground the change in relationship.
0: Wow, that's I think that's good for me to hear because a lot of a lot of my self-development work or self-awareness whatever that means for me. Mm. A lot of it happens on my own because I am able to let go of all the pressures or the expectations, which usually arise when I'm surrounded by people or work Mm. or clients. So for me, I do get away a lot to come back to that, you know, heightened sensitivity that you were alluding to before. Mm -hmm. But, but now you're saying or suggesting that it's incredibly important for the integration part to practice that with others, because Mm -hmm. if we practice on our own, Like, say, I just came back from a Vipassana sit, beautiful, Mm -hmm. but how much of this is transferable to when I'm with my clients or a partner or friends? Yeah, Yeah.
1: and it's both. Like, I'm not at all saying solo practice isn't important. It's crucial Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And for it to be, um, I suppose, to touch down for the kind of the rubber to hit the road in our daily lives, we live in a social world. Mm -hmm. And so... If um, we can't ground our new kind of revelations or insights, whatever it is, if we can't actually hold them or practice them mm-hmm. in relationship, um, then how applicable, how real um, is it really? Definitely. And which is the role of like integration in rites of passage work or any kind of transformative experience. The role of integration is to bring it back to community. Like it it also really is part of, um, and this might get quite philosophical, but the notion that the self isn't separate from the world again. Mm -hmm. And so self-development, like we've become quite Mm. big on this notion of self-development. You look at Buddhist practice and Eastern practices, the self is seen as um, so deeply embedded in the world and in community. Like you do this work, to serve all sentient beings. You do this work to bring it back to your community, Mm -hmm. Um, not just to heal yourself. Um, It's community help. It's, um, yeah, it's really only um, life-giving if we bring it back to community.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, the disconnect from the idea that we're all one, that we are part of something bigger than us, I guess that can play a role in why people do keep the focus on themselves and that, that misunderstanding potentially of, yeah, that we are a threat in something much bigger than who we are, just who we are. Mm -hmm. I think that, I guess that can play a part in the broader disconnect that a lot of us are feeling that loneliness, even Mm -hmm. if we are ticking all the right boxes.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: With a lot of this work. So I feel like speaking from my experience, we can have these beautiful rites of passages, these experiences where we do have that felt experience of, wow, okay, this is this is something that I want to really give my time to, whether that's living more authentically or whether that's changing into a line of work that, yeah, might be more authentic to you and finding your true purpose. Mm. But a lot of the time that can be separate from the life that we live in. For example, mm-hmm. right now we're sitting in Fairfield in Melbourne and i want to ask how how do you bring this work into what you do because mm. for me at least a lot of my most embodied feeling and that you know the feelings of when i am aligned to my truest self or purpose mm-hmm. is when i'm slowing down and i'm not in a city and then when i come back i have that struggle of okay how do i keep what i know but still live in this 21st century modern world where you know, the conditioning, the expectations, they're still there. I'm doing mm. my work. But if the system hasn't done the work, how do I integrate into, back into this system? And I don't really want to let go of the system because mm-hmm. I still want to play a part in it. Yeah. So how do you bring this in and stay grounded and aligned to your truest path, but mm. still hustle because you most certainly are yeah. a hustler? <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's a great question. And something very much, um, well, something I'm very passionate about is... I suppose not taking what I would consider maybe the easiest option and actually just going living out in a quite alternative, countercultural way because mm. I'm deeply passionate about cultural regeneration and cultural mm. change. Um, and that requires grit mm. um, to show up and practice the kind of slowness, the sensitivity um, that. I've built through practices, through ceremonies, through etc. cetera, um, circles, to come back into a culture that is fast paced, that is somewhat extractive, that is somewhat violent mm-hmm. in the way that it speaks to us with the language and the advertising. I like to have the grit to be resilient amidst that and still choose sensitivity um, is a lot. There's a lot to be sensitive to. There's a lot of pain. Um, yeah, there's a lot of anger. Um, And so it makes sense that we kind of desensitize to it. Again, it's a kind of adaptive mechanism. Yeah, right. Um, And so for me, yeah, I see this great dance between, like I'm so grateful and blessed to have found friends and community and circles that straddle this world and we go kind of within this culture and this system but also sometimes out of it to build the courage, to build the sensitivity, to come home to these parts of ourselves that we've abandoned in order to survive in this world. And then we bring that sensitivity back. So I kind of see it that there are practices that I do that help me build the courage and protect um, each other's courage mm-hmm. kind of outside and sometimes within this system. And then to bring it back, um, I really just need to rely on my practices, mm-hmm. my meditation, my movement practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, uh, which is why I focus on relational intelligence is that it's in relationship that we have the opportunity to, in some sense, re pattern culture. And I see culture as a series of interactions and it's a system, a social system. Mm-hmm. And so the quality of those interactions will determine the quality of the culture. If the interactions are constantly just talking about, um, other people all the time and how rude she was, he was, they were talking about others all the time. There's no sense of interiority. I'm not asking you about how you felt about this. I'm not inquiring and deeply being curious about your inner life. Um, that's the culture we built. Um, and so for me, I really value and try as hard as I can, um, to build more complex ways, of relating mm-hmm. so that I can, if I'm in interaction with someone who's very much in the world of, we just talk about people and not two people. We, um, yeah, kind of avoid the difficult emotions because they are unproductive. Uh, if someone's in that world, then can I be the gracious leader who says, Hey, do you mind if we slow down a little bit? I'm sensing, you know, this, this race here and i'm feeling like we're forgetting something really important would it be okay if we took some time exploring that
0: do you ever get met with like shock or i don't really get what you're saying because it's just not in their world like had anything like that yeah
1: yeah 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 often (laughs) um and i kind of enjoy those moments like Mm. for me it's um yeah in order to live in a way that's more affirming to life, which is a very complex living system, Mm -hmm. we need more complex ways of relating. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we reduce ourselves to a simplicity that is Mm -hmm. binary. This or that, us and them, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. which is kind of where we are. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And by complex, you mean like a deeper, just to say, oh, how are you feeling? Instead of saying good, it's, I might feel excited about one thing, but I also feel anxious about another thing, like a much broader, richer experience than just like a kind of linear. I am mm-hmm. this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Including more of who and how we are. Like, so it's a more complex account of ourselves in this world now. Mm. Um, as opposed to like a, a negation of that often the yeah, I'm good is actually, it's not at all a statement of how we are. Um, it's a statement of defending ourselves against how we are. Wow. Um, like it's, yeah, It again, because it feels like we don't have time to sensitize ourselves mm. in my perspective. I
0: definitely feel like the building the faculty to understand the, to feel these feelings is so necessary in order to manage them. Because if you don't mm-hmm. feel these things and, I grew up a lot of my life looking back now very mm-hmm. numb to these emotions because I didn't see them modeled growing up or mm-hmm. they weren't held safely mm-hmm. so very subconsciously I lost touch with them mm-hmm. and so you know for so many years of my life in uni I thought I was always happy always up but mm-hmm. then actually slowing down and yeah regulating my nervous system to to feel all the nuances of these emotions ones that I've never felt before and that happened over many years and through many different experiences that led me there but only now and i'm i'm sure i still have so far to go mm. do i understand the differences of these emotions but it's difficult to speak i guess to people that don't have that faculty yet mm-hmm. how do you meet because i guess you meet people at different stages of this journey yeah yeah and in your work right now, where do you? Is it the people that have never discovered this concepts, or people mm-hmm. that are far in? Like, who do you usually work with, yeah. and how do you
1: navigate that? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I suppose as as a psychotherapist, we talk a lot about kind of the stages, the levels, and layers of change, and then processes of change. And everyone's at a different stage of change um, for a different layer of change. So layers might be like relationships and interpersonal. Might be intrapersonal. So, your own kind of intrapsychic or psychological schemas and cognitive narratives, et cetera. So, that's intrapersonal. Mm-hmm. So, different layers of ourselves, we're at different stages. Mm-hmm. You might be pre contemplative, which means you're kind of a little bit ignorant. You don't know that there's work to be done, or you're just like, no, it's all fine. It's all great. Yeah. I don't need to change. <laughs> so, that's pre contemplative. Yeah. Contemplative is someone that's like, oh, hmm, that doesn't feel right. Like, I wonder, maybe I should take a look at that. And so they might engage in therapy or they might come. They would volunteer, voluntarily, like engage in a process of building insight. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, something feels off. Um, We can relate in all these stages. And then someone's in preparation because they're like, ah, I get it now. This thing happened. And so when this happens now, it reminds me of that thing that happened then. Mm. Oh, so then preparation is about what do I do with that? Action is doing something with it. And then maintenance is like practicing and integrating, stabilizing the change. Wow. Um, I, that. I work mostly with people who are in the contemplative okay. stage. I find it really exciting.
0: So they have the questions and they're they're curious. Yeah. But they might not know where to begin or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then support them in going through building insight, preparing for action, acting on it, um, so enabling enacting some kind of change and then stabilizing it. Um and um, yeah, if there's someone that um, you really can't change others, mm-hmm. um, and so if someone is precontemplative, they're not—they don't see that they need change. That is not really up to us mm-hmm. to to change them. It's—it's it's simply not going to work. Mm, and in fact, so. it can strengthen their own defences. Mm. Um, and so all you can do is listen non-judgmentally and maybe offer some questions, um, but. I suppose there can be a sense in us, as just humans and as therapists, facilitators, whoever, to want to fix the other, to want to change them um, and rescue them, um, which is really ours to check Mm because that's our stuff. Yeah. Um, Someone once said to me that the definition of a rescuer, someone who likes rescuing others, is someone who does 51% of more than 51% of the work for the other person without being asked. So if if I'm trying to do more work than they're doing without being asked, then that's the definition of rescuing. Yeah. And I should check that.
0: Opposed to 50-50. Yeah, a collaborative stance. Yes.
1: If they want this as much as I'm attempting to help them, Mm. then that's a collaboration Mm -hmm. um, and that's beautiful. Um, But if I find myself trying to pull them into change um, without being asked to do that, um, then yeah, that's really not productive. Mm. Um, And I just need to check myself. Like, what is it that I'm enacting here? Um, But of course there's, yeah, you come up against people, whether it's in a workplace that are acting out of line or there's something that's rude, that is judgmental, that's uh, misogynist, that's there's something that's kind of unethical behavior that you do feel that kind of ethical compass or moral compass in you wants to call them in or out or um, offer feedback. And if that's what's in integrity for you to do, mm. then I'd say definitely do that. And there's for sure times that I've done
0: that. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, coming from that place of rescuing or trying to push someone further in the journey than they might be ready for, mm. I guess that can be for those of us that have embarked on this journey, but then you're surrounded by old friends or mm. you know, family members that might not understand. And now there's a there's a difference in how you view the world and how you act and behave. And it can be hard to let go of sometimes, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, you relational intelligence, it's almost like you need to be surrounded by people that understand or be in an environment that you feel safe to continue this. Mm-hmm. It's, you can't really separate the two worlds. You can't really go in, find yourself authentically and then surround yourself with people that don't share the same values or the same curiosity. It's no. not, it's not really possible.
1: Yeah. You can, but it takes a lot of grit. Yes. And, um, like ultimately, and I suppose this is the piece around fitting in and belonging. Mm. Um, hopefully you become, this is just the aspiration. Definitely not there. Sometimes I get a glimpse of it. Um, most often not. Um, (laughs) hopefully you can be so secure Mm. in yourself that you actually don't need the other to affirm your belief. Um, and so I can be in my family who hold quite a different view to me. Um, and, uh, and I can feel confident in myself and I can share my view and share it confidently um, because my nervous system is regulated when I share it because I don't need them to affirm mm. me. If I share it and I'm not confident, if they sense an air of anxiety in me mm. th- because we're attuned to our nervous systems... Yeah. Their own anxiety will have them question, doubt, etc. Especially if it's my parents, mm. um, nothing more than they want than for their child to feel secure and safe mm-hmm. um, in their version of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, if I haven't done my own inner work, which I need to do in a social space that does support me, mm-hmm. so I need to go to that space to do this work. Mm-hmm. Um, if I haven't built the security and safety in myself. Um, before then going back home to my parents mm. and I feel insecure and I'm like, Oh, but no, I don't think it's like that. Like the, yeah. the bycatch in the oceans really, <laughs> really dangerous. And they're like,
2: mm. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Are you okay? With yeah. you sure?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, I think it's, it is necessary for us to be able to go to these spaces of people who believe otherwise to us, mm-hmm. but it requires us to build that secure base.
0: Okay, yeah. So the more you... Otherwise, we do
1: just end up hanging out in our counterculture circles.
0: Definitely. And I thought I was going to mention this before when you mentioned it, um, but I think it's such a beautiful, noble desire to re-enter a space that might not be as easy Mm -hmm. because you feel a calling to help people in that area or environment and not just let go and leave and Mm -hmm. go to Primstock or wherever you might go. Yeah, yeah. which I think is, I have the same calling, but sometimes I am met without resistance. And I guess the more sure I am in myself, the more resilient I can be to those that aren't. And I think that for me, I, I definitely know I care about what others think of me and that that's mm-hmm. the whole journey in itself. Mm-hmm. So to be able to stay true to myself, which is the new definition of belonging now that I'm seeing, mm-hmm. rather than trying to wear clothes and speak in a way that will is technically easier to get the love from someone else, Mm. but you're actually denying yourself in that reality, that time. Yeah. So I think it is nice to hear that the more you do dedicate your time and energy into your practice to remind yourself to stay true to yourself, the easier it can be to be in spaces that might not share the same perspectives. Mm -hmm. And it does kind of, open up a future because I, I definitely want to come and live in cities and work in a way that you know, speak in a way that can appeal to people in the contemplative stage. Yeah. Or even the pre contemplative stage and yeah. maybe open up their eyes in some capacity. Yeah. And I think it's a it's nice to know that you can straddle both, but it mm-hmm. requires grit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so for people that are listening to this and wherever they are on their journey, mm. but A lot of people I speak to, my clients, my friends, myself, a big desire of ours, or a big goal of ours, is to find our purpose to Mm -hmm. live in alignment to what we are meant to. For those of us that are living in a job that might not feel aligned, maybe surrounded by people that don't feel aligned,
1: Mm. what would
0: you? What is your advice on how to begin the process to find their purpose?
1: Mm. Yeah, Um, I I love the notion. This is based on one of David White's poems, I forget which poem it was, but anyone who knows me knows I love poetry, especially Mm -hmm. David White and (laughs) John and Donahue. And the notion though, is that as soon as we articulate and land in how far away from ourselves we are, we've begun our journey back to ourselves. And so I suppose that is to say, articulate, what's not aligned, articulate exactly what it is that doesn't feel right. Articulate exactly how it is that you are now. Mm. Um, I mean, there's some uh, data in, well, there's loss of data in our emotions and in our bodily response to our current circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it sounds like for someone coming um, in this sense of, Something feels off, I want to live more aligned, like they're in the contemplative stage. Mm -hmm. Um, There's something in them that knows something's not up. And so we can shoot up into kind of cognitive, um, something has to change and try and think our way through it. But emotions are quite truth-telling. And there's something in actually feeling exactly where you are, what's absent from you in your life. What do you want to presence more in your life so journal what is it about the people you're hanging around with now what is it about the workplace you're in what is it about your daily routines rituals that does feel off Mm -hmm. or how does it feel actually Mm -hmm. um and i suppose emotions are our body's attempt to move into the world like emotion the word emotion comes from the latin word immovia which means to move into the world so emotions are our body's way of trying to tell us how it wants to move into the world. And so if I feel sadness, um, it's the body's way of saying I need care. If I feel anger, it's the body ways of saying a need or a boundary has been transgressed wow, okay. or not met. Yeah. Um, and so we can dance up in thought and try and think about all the things, but the answers are really in kind of how we're feeling. Um, And in my experience, feeling those emotions gives me both the direction, Mm -hmm. like it tells me something about what I don't want, which points me towards what I do want. Mm. And it gives me the energy. Yes, Like it's a motivator. It's an intrinsic internal energy source and emotion. So it's both vector in that it gives me direction and velocity in that it gives me energy to move inside direction.
0: Wow, okay. I love that. There's so much there. Cause as someone that I try to cognize my way into understanding everything, but without yeah, being in your body feeling these emotions, it is difficult because I guess the mind is coming from the conditioned place. It's the mm-hmm. it's seeing the world through the lens that you were not given but that you've adapted that might not be serving you. Mm-hmm. While the body doesn't lie. And mm-hmm. I guess these emotions you, yeah, they're not fake in any way they're telling you something Mm -hmm. i think i love that because it it involves a reframe of these emotions where a lot of people i guess have labeled emotions as bad or good happy is good sadness is bad Mm -hmm. but in the end without sadness it's like the movie inside out they all serve such a purpose and they're all actually serving to get you to where you want to be which is to be seen and loved Mm -hmm. and belong and be safe Mm -hmm. so i love so the suggestion for yourself is to Slow down, which allows mm-hmm. you to feel into these emotions and mm-hmm. then listen to them. And I guess have the courage to follow where they might be. And mm-hmm. maybe sometimes this might require someone else because, for example, I didn't, if sadness came up, I would have five years ago not known what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess working with a circle, a psychotherapist, people, whatever mm-hmm. that is to help you as well because. yeah yeah
1: yeah you need the reflection mm. otherwise you we i can get stuck in just our own uh tendencies of how we've learnt to deal with these things um yeah, I suppose there's and this isn't to say that emotions are all we should listen to, like um there's there can be a tendency in the kind of conscious community to say that thinking is bad and mm. you should just be like shoulders down and listen mm-hmm. to your body and that can also lead to reactivity mm-hmm. like if you just follow your emotions all the time without checking them out mm-hmm. without reflecting upon them understanding where they might come from um, that can also just be just as reactive mm-hmm. um, and so yeah it's complex Mm. (laughs) and it's not Mm -hmm. just listen to your emotions. But I suppose the key thing for me is you need to arrive where you are. So you need to articulate, um, how not in touch with your purpose you are like as specifically as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, when I engage in this conversation, this person says that I notice a response in me of wanting to say this, but I quieten it because I want to belong. Like, these are the moments that I feel distant from myself. Mm. Articulate the moments. Feel what you feel in those moments. Um, And from there, like, life naturally um, has this forward motion about it. Um, When you feel your feelings, something else emerges. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of life's generativity, life's own um, creativity is... Mm. um, it just wants to evolve. Life wants to continue through you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you feel how you are and actually land there, you've kind of, um, you give yourself the chance at then actually steering as well. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What would you say to people that are on the verge? They've noticed, they've answered these questions, they've gone in, they've felt, okay. My job isn't celebrating me for my gifts or my partner isn't being that safe container for me to be who I truly am. I feel judged mm. for those that are on that cusp, but struggle to find the courage to step into that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like what's something that helped you in that part of the journey? Because yeah. That's where I found a lot of resistance myself. And with a lot of mm-hmm. people I speak to, it's almost like they know what to do, mm-hmm. but they haven't taken that leap into the uncertainty of where am I going to get money or who am I going to be? Am I going to be lonely? Yeah. What what would your advice be there?
1: Yeah. Um, resourcing is important. Resource being something you can call on. It might be a safe person, say someone that you can confide in. Um, so social resources. Mm. So you might feel like you don't have anyone, but who's the person you most feel like protects your courage and your dignity and your honesty. Um, and also, uh, a place can be a resource. Where's a place that you go and you feel safe and you feel supported and you gain inspiration. Um, maybe journaling is a resource for you. Um, I would start by noting where your resources are, mm-hmm. where your supports are. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, coming to a place, first place to start, I would say similarly, so resource and note, Um, how far away you are from yourself, again. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to... um, Well, I mean, it's very easy to look out constantly rather than looking in. Mm. Um, And I say we live in a world that's very much Mm. outward-oriented rather than a sense of acknowledging our own internal lives. Um, And for me, fulfilment... Is some kind of congruence between our internal life and our in- outer lives. Wow. Um,
0: Can you expand on that a little bit more?
1: Yeah, it's, I think Parker Palmer said it again, which is um, wholeness is when there is harmony, congruence, alignment between what feels so true on the inside and what you express or um, espouse or enact on the outside. Like, that's integrity as well. Mm, Um, Pure authenticity. When there's alignment between what feels true, what's spoken, what's done. Um, And
0: that's your version of fulfillment or purpose? Sorry.
1: um, Sense of fulfillment. Sense of
0: fulfillment.
1: Wow. Like, when I feel rich, when I feel whole, when I feel true to myself Mm. and the world, um, is when there is a sense of alignment between what is true on the inside and what My outer life looks like. Mm. Um, It allows life to flow. Um, And I suppose another way, maybe a more soul centric um, version of that would be when there's alignment between what I feel soul to be in me and how I present myself. So between the soul and the self, Mm -hmm. which is then the self is social. Um, And so when I can sensitize to listen to those whispers of what's true, some people might call it intuition, some people might call it soul, Um, when you can listen to that um, and have yourself be in most alignment to that, Mm. Um, for me, that is what fulfillment means. And that's what my purpose means.
0: I was just going to say, for me, very recently has my, ever since I left on this van trip, my version of or definition of purpose changed to live Mm -hmm. in this pure alignment Mm -hmm. to listening to that deeper part of you which i guess you do have to have the belief of that we're all one we are part of something so much bigger Mm. and listening is taking us to our role in this world Mm -hmm. and that for me is now the definition of uh, purpose which Mm -hmm. is like a alignment based rather than achievement based yeah and for me that's just It's been beautiful because it's also it's taken the pressure off getting somewhere. Mm -hmm. My purpose is literally just being myself and protecting the things that pull me out of that. And just having the courage to to continue. Mm -hmm. Having the curiosity to keep making sure is this coming from a place of purity? Or is this a new condition I've created on myself? And that's Mm -hmm. why it's, I guess, the endless journey, this inner work. But... For me, that was a big game changer. Seeing purpose in that way, mm, yeah, so it's nice which that is that
1: beautiful. Yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I relate to it as a process, not a place. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a process. Life is a process. It's not a fixed thing. We're not fixed entities. We can become them very easy when we easily when we rigidify ourselves and get stuck in stagnant um, thoughts or ideas of who we are. Mm-hmm. Which for me is my notion of queerness. Mm-hmm. Queerness for me is a lot more than a sexual orientation, it's a way of being. Mm. Um, To be queer is to question. To be queer is to live as a question, not a statement. Um, Which means to live in my life as a process of becoming, like to live in constant question of like, I wonder, is that true now or is that just the past playing out in the present? I wonder, is there something here that wants to be explored? or is what's most pulling me actually to reside into my own solitude and aloneness. I wonder, I want curiosity. Wow. Um,
0: So we could all benefit from querying our lives, questioning more and becoming more attuned to, yeah, what was given to us versus what is true.
1: mm Mm-hmm. Yes. What feels, yeah, most true to us. Yeah. Um, And for me, that process is what's most fulfilling Mm. and feels like my purpose is to live, As a process, Mm. not just a fixed person um, and not arrive at a place, um, but to learn to be in process with myself and my life. Mm. Um,
0: Yeah. Amazing. And because I'm aware of your precious time, um, I would like to finish off with a question. If you could go back. To you choose what age, the mm-hmm. most prominent that speaks to you, and tell yourself one thing, mm. what would that be?
1: I would. Um, hmm, I think my age would be 12. Mm. And what I would say to 12 year old Al, hmm, yeah, would be even in your aloneness, you're okay. And you can rely on the more-than-human world. It's got you and it's it's safe. Wow. Mm.
0: Hopefully we can all embody that as well. Because mm. I feel I share some doubts sometimes as well. hmm
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow.
0: Well, that was a juicy conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I feel like we could have stepped into any direction of conversation and just being lost in a black hole mm-hmm. in terms of how much there is and your level of wisdom is insane. I feel like, yeah, I've learned so much from your podcast or from your workshops and that I've attended. Mm. Um, if you wanted to give listeners a direction on where they could find out more information about mm-hmm. you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, my website, so j e w f e r y dot ycom uh, my Instagram, not so active at the moment, um, but it's definitely where things go when there's something. Um, so, Instagram.com slash Al Jeffrey underscore. Um, I think they're the main places. Mm. And on my website, there's my email list, and that's where things go as well.
0: Amazing. And your yeah. podcast, Spaces and Between. And my podcast, Spaces it's Between.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, if on you
0: want to go deeper in this work. On all the places. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you again. Thank you. Um, yeah excited to collide again in the future yeah have a
1: dance yeah, ciao
0: ciao. yeah. <laughs> ciao ciao okay friends that is it for this episode if you got inspired by something please don't let this be yet another podcast you listen to and forget instead try and focus on the biggest takeaway you got and actually apply it to your life by making a change from today if you think someone in your life can also get value from it please share this episode with others the more that join this journey the better the world will be Don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And finally, if you'd like to connect, jump on my Instagram and shoot me a message. All the links will be in the show notes. Other than that, that's it from me today and I'll catch you next time.